You're listening to the Get the Pancake Podcast, helping volleyball coaches have their best season yet. On today's episode of the Get the Pancake Podcast, I'm joined by a volleyball trainer based out of Northwest Indiana. David Hardy has been working with volleyball athletes of all ages since 2014, and let me tell you, he loves his job. He literally goes and watches tournaments on the weekends to support his kids. In addition to being my guest today to discuss common questions that coaches have about training their athletes along with some of the top mistakes that he sees, he recently started writing articles which are featured on getthepancake.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode where he shares a ton of valuable information with all of us. I swear I learn something new every time I chat with him. And my guess is you'll learn something today too. Thank you so much. I've got David Hardy with me today. He is a volleyball trainer out of Northwest Indiana. So David, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. So just so everybody knows, I've been following David on Instagram for a little over a year now. And I just recently started talking with him a lot. And you've now started writing articles for Get the Pancake, which I, I absolutely love. So thank you so much for agreeing <laughs> to write those articles. Oh, yeah, I'm having I'm having a good time writing it. And even, uh, you know, even my kids who I've already said that stuff to like 100 times, mm-hmm. they're like reading the article and be like, oh, that's cool to know. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've been telling you that for years. What are you talking about? But something about, I guess, you know, being able to read it maybe just kind of helps stick a little bit better. So it's working out well for me, too. Perfect. Well, you've written four articles at this point. So I thought we would just kind of go over some of them because I thought they were just full of so much useful information. And probably just like your kids, I, I've probably heard this information before, but something about the way that you put it into writing it just makes it so much more clear. And I feel like I've, I have an epiphany every time I <laughs> read one of your articles. So the first one that you wrote for Get the Pancake was about just warming up for volleyball. Correct. And one of my favorite, absolute favorite things <laughs> about this article, you already know, uh-huh. is your butter analogy. So do you want to explain to everyone kind of what that is? Yeah. So basically what that is, is I'm comparing, you know, the muscles in your body, which it's a loose comparison, mind you, butter's different Uh than muscles. Of course. But, you know, the the idea is that heat changes the way something might move or function. Mm -hmm. And I used butter uh, as a comparison because, um, you know, when you pull butter out of the fridge and you try to cut into it with a knife to try to spread it on something, it's a little bit hard to get through. And then sometimes if you're, you know, just trying to put it on bread, you might actually tear up the bread because the butter is so hard. But then after you heat it up or if you let it sit out for a little bit, the consistency of the butter changes as a result of the heat. So now you're able to get the knife through a lot easier. You're definitely able to spread it a lot easier. And I draw that comparison to the muscles to kind of, I talk to kids a lot, obviously. So um, Mm -hmm. sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes if I try to give them, you know, the anatomical definitions and all the, right. uh, the medical talk, it goes mm-hmm. way over their head. So I try to find ways to explain it so that they can understand. So I wanted them to understand that, you know, as you start to heat up your muscles, they kind of expand a little bit and they get just a little bit more efficient at moving. They bend a little bit better. They, um, they stretch and snap back a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And then when I started comparing it to butter, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I help mom cook. 
that sounds like a, a volleyball <laughs> player response. Yeah. <laughs> but it does, it makes it so much more easy to understand, even as an adult, um, as yeah. a coach. It just, I like it because it gives me something to say to my kids too in the future if they are like, why are we warming up? Why do we have to do this? But warming up, there are specific ways that, well, I guess the uh, research kind of goes back and forth on what you're supposed to do as far as stretching goes. Do you want to kind of talk about the different sides of that argument and what you believe? Yeah, so the research, you know, there's countless papers and count, countless theories if you ask fitness, health, and sports professionals. So some studies have shown that after a period of stretching, and usually it's longer periods of stretching, you know, like 60, 90 seconds. Okay. The muscle being stretched has a decrease of power. So a decrease of um, explosive power or force output. Mm -hmm. So looking at that, you would say, well, if we make a muscle able to produce less force, then obviously it's going to be less efficient if we're doing something explosive like jumping or, you know, running, sprinting, right? Mm -hmm. And that does make sense. But the other half of it is that when a muscle is shortened, it's unable to obviously properly stretch, which mm -hmm. limits its opposing muscle. Because our muscles okay. kind of work back and forth. Like uh, the easiest example would be bicep and tricep because everybody knows what they are. Yes. So when my bicep contracts, when it flexes, my tricep then has to stretch to allow it to happen and then vice versa. Okay. But if my triceps are really, really tight, and I'm trying to flex my biceps. Well, now, in addition to, you know, maybe if I'm lifting a weight, my triceps are also resisting me a lot more than they need to. So that limits my ability to flex the bicep or contract okay. the bicep, rather. And so if you look at this from a, you know, jumping perspective and say, well, the quadriceps have to extend for me to be able to, you know, straighten my legs and get off the ground. But then, um, you know, the hamstrings are really, really tight. So they're, they're preventing that contraction from happening. So if, you're, if your knee needs to extend for you to jump and you have a muscle that's really tight and it's preventing or limiting that extension, well, then it might be a good idea to stretch that out so that you're not being limited. Okay. So the, so the hamstrings, I'm using the hamstrings as an example, mm -hmm. they are not helping you jump. They're not a, they're not a jumping muscle. Okay. Or, or which is to say they're not helping you get off of the ground. Mm -hmm. So if they're really, really tight, then that would be a good one to stretch. And I really wouldn't worry too much about the the decrease in force output of the hamstrings. So what then, because it sounds like some things benefit from being stretched out, other things yeah. not so much. What is sort of the, an ideal warm-up before volleyball practice? So the warm-up would be, and again, you want to warm up just about every muscle moving. Mm -hmm. So I would say, and usually you want to get as much done in as little time as possible. I don't, um, of course. <laughs> you know, depending on how long it takes you to get the kids onto the court and mm -hmm. get them to set the bags of chips down and get ready to go, um, <laughs> they might only have a few minutes to warm up. Mm -hmm. So I would say compound movements, things like lunges, butt kicks, um, karaoke so that you go left and right. Mm -hmm. Things for the arms, like sometimes you use the bands, sometimes you do the ball slams, hit it down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what bear crawls are. You can do some yes. rolls. I, I personally, I'm not a fan of them, but I can definitely see, <laughs> just because I feel silly, but yeah. I, I can see how those would um, get all of the muscles activated and warmed up. Yeah. 
Yeah, so so all that kind of stuff. And the goal of a warm-up, like I said, is just to, going back to the butter reference, just to heat up the muscles, okay? Mm -hmm. So motion creates blood flow, blood flow creates heat. So the goal is just to get the blood flowing and the muscles you're going to use. And that's pretty much agreed upon by both sides of the argument. Mm -hmm. But then going back into the actual static stretching part of it. So I would say that you do a good job of warming everything up. But if you know you have a particular area that's, extremely tight whether it's something you think or whether you have a trainer athletic trainer somebody that that is telling you that mm-hmm. if you if you know or have a pretty good idea that a particular area is tight and it's limiting you from doing stuff mm-hmm. well then you add that in as a stretch okay so that would be something i believe in your your article you said yeah. that if someone has an injury or something that they're recovering from that they need to stretch it out a little bit more that's when you would want to come in early and do static stretching yeah, so an example would be um, if one of my kids has really tight hips, okay. I'd have her do her um, her normal walking warm ups as or moving warm ups as we just described. Mm-hmm. Have her do that, and then as the coach is you know giving them the rundown, talking to them, mm-hmm. she'll stand there and she'll stretch each one of her hips for thirty seconds, and that's a stretch you can do you know while you're standing and listening mm-hmm. to the coach. Okay, so it's not like you need to come in a half hour early and go through a whole routine. Yeah. You, can, you can do the static stretching like within a, a minute or two Yeah, in, in most instances. Yeah, depending on what it is. And then um, and just, to, just to clarify, would not necessarily be injury per se. Okay. Because depending on what an injury is, like let's say you have a tear, you're not uh-huh. going to want to stretch a torn muscle because you're pulling right. on that tear. But that would depend on, on what it is. But I would say usually just a, a dysfunction or a general tightness. Uh-huh. And that's when you want to address it. And so you want to do the static stretching probably after the whole body, like the dynamic yep. warm-ups? Okay. Because um, again, that, that blood flow is going to be getting to the area that you want to stretch. And so that's going to be a little bit easier to stretch, going back to the butter thing. Perfect. <laughs> butter. I just, oh, I just remember butter. Always um, remember the butter. <laughs> okay. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about your other articles just because they are on getthepancake.com if people want to go and read them they can but just to touch on them briefly Mm -hmm. one is talking about the training differences between middle school and high school athletes and what I thought was interesting is that it doesn't necessarily matter what their age is can you kind of talk about that just briefly yeah just briefly um we all have the same kind of muscles all of our muscles do the same thing. Like we said, the bicep, I'm a 27-year-old guy. It can be a 15-year-old girl, and our biceps do the same thing, which is elbow flexion, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to train your muscles in a way that helps you do what you need to do. If you need to get faster, if you need to jump, you want to train your body to better make that happen. Mm-hmm. The difference would be, really the only difference would be the amount of load that you could put on certain things. So the younger you are, the less you want to stress the bones around the growth plates. Mm-hmm. But other than that, the exercises are going to be the same. So a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old would still do squats, but maybe the 16-year-old does squats with weight. But the exercise themselves is the same. And it's important for, especially if somebody's new, that they learn proper yeah. form. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So even, um, even somebody coming to me as an adult... I'm not going to immediately have them get under the bar and start squatting a bunch of weight, but I am going to teach them how to squat. Mm -hmm. 
So older or younger, you're coming in and you're squatting with no weight just so I can teach you the form and so you can learn how to do it. So how, um, because I know a lot of my, a lot of coaches just in general, mm-hmm. we all had, you know, our coaches made us do sprints and we went to weightlifting classes. I don't know necessarily if we were taught the correct things. What do you recommend as far as kind of coaching education when it comes to training your athletes? Because I'm a big believer of stay in your lane and I would rather not take on training responsibilities because I don't really have the background in that. And that's why I have you contributing to get the pancake, but not every coach, you know, just has someone that they can call up and ask those questions. Is there a resource that you recommend for coaches or? Um, Well, you can follow David Hardy trainer on Instagram. (laughs) Of course. uh... (laughs) No, honestly, um, if anybody really wanted to, and I know coaches who have long after being becoming coaches, they became personal trainers as well. Mm-hmm. So you could go that route and learn everything yourself. Mm-hmm. I want to preface this by saying not everything you read on the internet is true. However, the internet is a very valuable resource. You can find good articles and good information out there mm-hmm. that you can use as a guideline, whether it's from like our website, your website, there are other, um, like trustworthy Tra- sources. Yeah, training organization websites uh-huh. that, that certify trainers, but that they also put stuff out for free diagrams and, and they all have okay. their own social media pages you can follow too. So don't just go based off of what your coach taught you 20 years ago or 10 years ago when you were playing. <laughs> kind of check <laughs> to make sure because everything is constantly, yeah. I mean, you're always learning more. Like exactly. techniques are changing and everything. Well, I would say that like you, you can ask me, uh-huh. Um, a lot of, a lot of coaches, like, let's say you're a college coach or even a high school coach, but you're mm-hmm. probably working with an athletic trainer that's in the facility. So I would say if you have a question, maybe ask them, or if you have somebody, don't mm-hmm. be afraid to reach out and ask. And I think it's important to even build those relationships. The same relationship I built with you, I have relationships with other coaches in the area and they, mm-hmm. um, you know, they'll call me or text me or you know, come over and ask when we're not on quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Go if, especially if you're at a school program, go and make friends with the trainer or whoever's in charge of that at your school club programs. Hopefully you have someone on staff that's able to do that. But if not at David Hardy trainer, (laughs) it's a great resource. Okay. And then one more article. Well, you have two other articles, but they're both talking about ACL injury prevention or just kind of myths about ACL injuries. And I'm not going to lie. This isn't information that I would look up until it was too late personally. (laughs) But now that I have read it, I I feel like I'm seeing potential ACL injuries every time I turn around. So um, tell me kind of what the inspiration was for you to write these articles and maybe talk about some myths or things that people get wrong about ACL injuries. So as I mentioned to you prior to this, one of my kids that I trained that I've been working with for a long time, she wants to be an athletic trainer when she graduates. That's awesome. After after she goes through school. So she'll be graduating next year. She'll Mm -hmm. be a senior uh, 2021. And whenever I tell her things, I like to put it in a way that doesn't, just answer her question but it kind of helps her understand so that Mm -hmm. way when she has to actually learn it later she will have already learned a little bit about it 
Right. And so originally, I kind of wrote this out for her. Mm-hmm. And I decided to change up a few things and then give it to you. Because I thought that if she could benefit from it, a lot of other people could benefit from it as well. But initially, it was to answer some questions she had. And her questions were, why are there always girls in the training room for their knee? And why is this happening so much? How does it happen? Because it was kind of, you know, two of her good friends have torn their ACL recently. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of scary for her, you know, to think that, hey, I might be next. So that's why I wrote it. As far as the myths, the thing that I hear a lot, and like I said, this, this is quote for quote. They say, you know, ACL injuries have become more and more prevalent among female athletes and basketball, volleyball. And you hear that phrase a lot. And I have not interviewed every person on the planet. You know, I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that without a doubt, it is happening exactly as many times as it was happening in the past. Right. But what I would like to draw attention to is the fact that volleyball as a sport is much larger now than it was in the past. For so you sure. have more girls doing it. Mm-hmm. So anytime you have more girls doing something, the chances of them getting that kind of injury happen. You know, you got more girls touching the ball, more, more girls landing on the court. There's also with social media, with everyone, you know, even eight years old having a cell phone, we're also yeah. able to communicate information back and forth a lot more. Mm-hmm. So the girl that I'm talking about now, when her friend tore her ACL, this was at a tournament that was 300 miles away from me. And mm-hmm. I heard about it right away. You know, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have been hearing about stuff like that. Yeah, you'd have no idea. Maybe even 30 miles away, you might not have heard <laughs> about something, you know. But mm-hmm. we're talking 300 miles, and I heard about it not long after it happened. And so this can kind of give the impression that something is happening a lot more than it actually is. Uh huh. But I would argue that with there being so many trainers out there and with sports medicine advancing so much and there being so many more methods to help with ACL injury prevention, mm-hmm. I would argue that it's probably happening less. And based on what I'm seeing, I'm not mm-hmm. seeing too many legitimate ACL injuries compared to the amount of girls that are playing. Right. Like in the clubs around this area. And I've been doing this for a little while and it's not as though I'm seeing a rapid increase. I mean, it's going to happen because of reasons mentioned in the article, females are more prone to it. So it's Mm -hmm. always going to happen and it always has happened. We just hear and talk about it more. So it's not like taking down volleyball. (laughs) It's not guaranteed that you're going to have an ACL injury if you play. It's just, there's a lot more awareness now. Right. Although if somebody were trying to promote their ACL injury prevention program, I could see why they might phrase it that way. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how that works out, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) So the last time that I talked to you, I told you about how one Christmas, my dad got my brother and I a weight bench for Christmas at home. Mm -hmm. So this is when we were in school, but that's pretty extreme as far as at-home training tools go and may or may not have been used properly. But (laughs) what is, um, I think there's a lot more basic equipment that Mm -hmm. athletes could use at home rather than just a huge weight bench. So is there some basic equipment that you would recommend for athletes to have at home, especially now that we're all at home and we want to train and want to stay in shape, but how can we do that? So I would say, and I was just having this discussion with some of the people in JBA recently, nice. but I think one of the best tools out there, one of the most 
as of right now, it's being promoted a lot are resistance bands. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've, you've seen them. Um, mm-hmm. Many people actually have them. You know, I, I actually had a pair that I used for our workout Wednesday series uh-huh. that I had bought for myself maybe three or four years ago, but I really didn't have a need to use it. <laughs> it was a total impulse buy. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to get so much out of those. And then I <laughs> used it once and threw it in the closet. Yep. <laughs> and of course I can, I can train at the clinic. But a lot of people have them just because of that impulse buy. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have them, there are a ton of sales. You know, everybody looking to capitalize on the whole workout at home thing with this um, COVID-19 thing going on now. So there's deals on them and they're a lot cheaper to get. But they're very versatile in the sense that you uh, most of them come with like a door attachment or a way to anchor it to other things. Yeah. And then so you can do anything, you know, you would maybe even do with weights. You know, you could do things for your chest, things for your back, things for your arm, things for your legs, your core. And it doesn't take up a lot of space because it does not. I have a lot at home and they're just like balled up in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Is there anything else? Or I guess you can just do a lot of body weight stuff too. Yeah, you can. Body weight stuff is great. I like to use boxes, chairs, Mm-hmm. anything like that that you can sit down to or that you can do for a push-up so like the hardest way to do a push-up a standard two-hand push-up is mm-hmm. just to do it on the ground but not everyone has the strength to do that so of course they can do the modified version where they put their knees to the ground uh-huh. or they can keep their feet up and do it to a surface right so then maybe doing a push-up to the couch instead of the ground would um, you know decrease some of the challenge a little bit while you get yourself strong enough to work into a standard push-up. Okay, so we can do body weight exercises. Um, we can get those bands, hopefully on super cheap sale mm-hmm. now that everything's discounted. So, Pull-up bars? Oh, yep, yeah, we you have those. those? You, you stick it in the door? Yeah, it's destroying the back of our door. So <laughs> I encourage everyone, if they get one, to make sure you wrap it and protect your wall (laughs) but yeah that's super um pull-ups are challenging (laughs) but it's fun to have it there to just every once in a while when you walk past it use it have you ever watched a player serve a volleyball and thought to yourself her toss is all over the place if she just had a more consistent toss she could be such a great server Well, if you have thought something like that, I have some exciting news for you. If you wanted to, you could probably change that athlete's playing experience with just one or two private lessons. Of course, you could work with this athlete in practice and offer tips and advice over the span of a few weeks and then maybe see some improvement. However, if you've coached a team before, you know that it's really hard to spend even a couple of minutes with just one player. And you also know that as soon as you turn your back or walk away, they're most likely going to go back to their bad habits. But let's change the setting. It's just you, the player, and a full ball cart. Maybe mom is on the sideline, but there aren't any distractions and 100% of your focus and the players is on their form, specifically that crazy toss. Although the progress is entirely up to the athlete, I can almost guarantee that after just one session, their toss will improve. In a private lesson, you are essentially fast-tracking their skill development because all of your attention is on them. 
You're not yelling general corrections and pointers to a group of 12 teenagers while you mosey around a court. You're telling this one player specifically what she needs to change, what she's doing well, and she has the opportunity to practice in a setting where she won't be judged by her teammates as she's trying these new techniques. I could go on and on about the benefits of working one-on-one -on -one with athletes or even in small groups, but instead, I'm just going to recommend that you check out my latest book, Private Lessons, A Volleyball Coach's Guide to Getting Started. Just go to getthepancake.com and check out the books tab. Here you can learn more about what's in this new book, who it was written for, and if I think it's right for you. Seriously, go check it out. If you've thought about running private lessons before but weren't sure where to get started, this book is for you. Once you get started, you'll realize that the benefits of running private lessons extend far beyond improved tosses. Oh, so you were mentioning JVA and the videos, mm -hmm. talking to them about things that you can do at home. Let's talk about your Instagram account <laughs> really quick okay. because I really want people to go and check it out and follow you and also trademark performance. Is it, is that what their account is? Is it at trademark performance? Um, I should be able to answer that off the top of my head. <laughs> I? I think it is. If not, I'll, um, I'll correct myself. But, um, so your Instagram account, I, mm -hmm. every time I see that black and green uh, <laughs> um, as I'm scrolling through scrolling 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 and then I see that there's some sort of a workout or exercise posted every single video I swear is so interesting and it's super valuable is that how you got in touch with JVA so I'm sure that most people listening know that that is the junior volleyball association but yeah in case you didn't, now you know. And uh, they have a workout Wednesday video by you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, kind of what got you into doing this whole Instagram account and how did you get involved with JVA? I started getting, trying to get better at social media back in, I don't know, 2016, 2017, mm -hmm. just because that seemed to be the way to go. That seemed to be the best way to market your services mm -hmm. and just kind of let everyone know what you're doing. So I was recording videos of my kids and having them do the different workouts and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then eventually there was a video that I recorded that just, it just worked out really well. I had the music on, the, the hardcore rock music I like. Nice. I like, this is a really good video. <laughs> so I sent it to JBA and then... Um, you know, I sent it to them and a few days later they got back to me and said, hey, this looks really cool. Um, we're thinking about doing a series. Would you be interested in, in helping us out with it? And so, you know, after we talked a little bit and they wanted to, of course, vet me. Uh -huh. So they reached out to some of the clubs that I worked with and some of the coaches just to kind of check my credentials and make sure that I was who I said I was. Uh -huh. and then, you know, obviously they got the okay. Right. <laughs> Everything checked out and uh, I've been doing You're clear. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been doing the videos for them ever since. How long ago was that? Because actually now that I think about it, I'm not sure which one I saw first. Either your account or JVA posting your workout Wednesday. Uh, it was about a, a year ago around Thanksgiving time. So this Thanksgiving, it'll be two years. Okay. Nice. That's awesome. I really like that you kind of took it upon yourself to reach out to them. And another thing that I really like about your account too, is that you're just so consistent. 
Like I know <laughs> it's very hard to stay up to date with Instagram posts. I know from personal experience, but I love it. You are always, always posting something and it's always super interesting. So I know a lot of your videos, it's not all beginner stuff. You do have some more advanced things that you show because, well, that's what looks cool. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure that a lot of athletes come in saying, I want to do this, but what's your process? Do you kind of start everybody out at a beginner level and eventually work up? Do some people come in ready to try those more advanced things? Yeah, so that depends, um, you know, kind of like I touched on our uh, article about the training differences with age. Uh huh. So just because somebody is older or younger does not necessarily mean they're more advanced. I might have somebody that's 16 years old and mm -hmm. they've never touched a weight before. They've right. never done a squat before. So I start them off just like I would anybody else. Mm -hmm. or I might have somebody 13, 14, who maybe they worked with a trainer before, but they're new to the area. So now they're working with me just to keep going. So you always kind of, we always talk and get a feel for the person. So um, that would be an outlier to where I kind of start them off with a little bit more advanced. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we'll say an untrained individual. I kind of have a have a base level that I start them at just the basic movements, the squats, the lunges, mm -hmm. the step ups, or depending on what they need, you know, and they tell me what their goal is at the beginning. And then I kind of just, uh, I kind of advance them at their pace. That's kind of what I do with when I'm running private lessons too, I guess the first lesson is always just like, okay, well, let's, unless someone has a very short timeline with very specific goals, I'm mm -hmm. going to just kind of put them through all the basics and see what their level is. And then the next lesson is going to be like, okay, now we're going to go hard on this and go back to basics on this. <laughs> so it seems like you're pretty involved in the volleyball scene and I mean, doing JVA workout Wednesdays and working with volleyball clubs in your area. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what your experience is in volleyball? So where I grew up, I'm from, uh, you mentioned Northwest Indiana. Mm -hmm. I'm from a city called Hammond. And it is, um, you probably haven't heard of it if you're not from the area, but, but it's about 10, 15 minutes away from Chicago. It's right there on the border. So it's kind of in, in the Chicagoland area. Mm -hmm. But basically where I grew up, you know, if, if a boy was playing volleyball, and Indiana isn't really big on boys volleyball anyway, but if a boy was playing volleyball where I come from, somebody would say, what are you doing? That's a girl sport. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't know much about it. You know, I knew obviously what it was, but I never, I never played it before. And I originally started training as a personal trainer, working with fitness up mm -hmm. until I met my, um, the president of Trademark. Um, he was doing some mood lighting for the facility I worked at. They needed an extra hand and he was helping them out. And he said, why don't you train this, uh, this college basketball team for me? So it went well. Um, uh -huh. The coach loved it. The kids loved it. And then he said, all right, so I'm also working with this volleyball facility out here in Hobart. Why don't you come in and, and do some stuff with them? So that kind of took off. And all of a sudden I started, you know, learning about volleyball. Because as I mentioned before, it's not necessarily always about the sport. It's about the muscles. Volleyball players mm -hmm. jump, basketball players jump, high jumpers jump. Mm-hmm. So you train their muscles to help them do what they want to do. 
But then through word of mouth, more and more volleyball kids wanted to train. You know, they saw their friends were doing it. Their jumps mm-hmm. were increasing. They were getting faster. So it kind of just happened out of nowhere. What but, a happy accident. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. No. And uh, so now uh, you have how many clubs is it that you're working with? Or just a lot of athletes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, um, I'm most closely associated with a club called Epic United. And at one time, we were uh, leasing a space out of their volleyball facility. And so we were in the very same building. We're still uh, closely associated, but we're not, uh, we don't have that same kind of being in the same building relationship. As far as the other clubs, I did not necessarily work with them directly. It's just that their kids come to train with me. So the club doesn't pay for it. The club doesn't necessarily promote it, mm-hmm. but um, it's just an athlete of that club. So I would say, including Epic, six clubs. And what's the age range of players that you work with? Um, well, the youngest I ever trained was eight years old. That oh was a whole thing. Gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> this girl, I love her to death. She's, she's 10 now. She'll, uh-huh. be, uh, she'll be 11 in July. I love her to death, but this girl would cry every other session. <laughs> Sometimes she would be crying because what I was making her do was hard and she didn't want to do it. And then other times I made it fun and now she's having a good time. So she's crying because she's not ready to go. I'm like, I can't win. (laughs) There's always going to be tears. You just just have to accept it. (laughs) But so I I try to keep it. uh, I kind of learned from that. And I'm like, you know, I I really kind of start around 10. That's about the age I'd like them to come in. Mm -hmm. And then um, they usually train anywhere from 10 to 17, 18, when they're getting ready to graduate. We do have some college volleyball players, but I usually work with the more of the high school, middle school age. Mm -hmm. What is the number one thing earlier? You mentioned that they all come in with their goals when they come in Mm -hmm. to meet with you. What is the number one goal that you would say most athletes come in with? Vertical jump. (laughs) I don't even know why I asked. I knew the (laughs) answer. (laughs) of course that's the answer so what is it that you focus on with your athletes to help them with that vertical Uh, well there's a lot that goes into it you know we mentioned earlier about stretching right if you got really really tight hips and Mm -hmm. you know tight hamstrings and things like that that might prevent you from jumping so you might be able to squeeze an inch into your jump just by uh, loosening those areas but typically, it would be working on uh, hip extension training. Okay. Um, so hip extension is when you go from a hip flex position, which is bent over, to okay. being straight. You know, and obviously, when you jump, you go from a squatted position to ideally a straight vertical position. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of cases, we have people have tight hips and weak glutes. Glutes are the main muscles um, responsible for extending your hips. Okay. So we do like a lot of glute focused training. We do a lot of work on hip mobility and flexibility. So that way they open up for you when you need to be able to extend. Uh, And then just general leg strength because you got to build strength in the muscles. Mm -hmm. And then eventually we get into explosive power training. And this is after they've gotten their hip mobility. They've built some good general strength in their glutes and in their quads. And, you know, they loosen everything up. Now we can work on uh, explosive power. So you got to set the base first. You can't just go zero to hero. Exactly. (laughs) I wanted to bring up, so you just recently created a remote training app. So of course, training is a great tool to use year round, but 
especially now that people are stuck inside, <laughs> I think this might be especially of value to people. Can you kind of talk about what your remote training app is and how people can find it? <laughs> well, in order to find it, we kind of have to send you a link. And so it's one of those things. You give me your email address, I'll send you a link, and then you're able to download it under trademark performance. So basically, you download the app. We have all the exercises we've had our athletes come in and demonstrate. And so mm-hmm. we have video demonstrations of people at trademark. Mm-hmm. And then it comes with a description, different cues like brace here, tighten here, relax here, things like that. And you get the workout on your phone. So you can, um, you know, go to it, you can rewatch the demonstrations, you get the explanation, and then you go through the workout. Mm-hmm. And everything is tailored to you. So similar to how I would act if somebody came into me, I would say, what are your goals? What are your past injuries? Um, you know, what do you need? What do you mm-hmm. like? What do you not like? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing through the app. So instead of it being kind of like a, like a Tybo thing where everybody does the same workout, uh-huh. everybody does the workout that I designed for them. Oh, so you're so. actually designing it for them? Yeah. What? That is awesome. <laughs> I didn't realize that part. I thought it was just like any other workout app where you go in and pick your workout, but you're actually creating it. Yeah. So you're, you're assigning essentially the different workouts and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and people, like I said, people are, are going to have different levels. There might've been somebody who know about training. They know how to train. They might even have some equipment, but they want uh-huh. some direction. You know, people have different levels of athleticism, different levels of training knowledge. Uh-huh. And I kind of just, just like when somebody comes into me um, in person, I kind of just suit it to them. And, and that's that incredible. <laughs> that's really cool. So if someone wanted to get this app and get a workout customized by you for them, mm-hmm. what's that process that they need to go through to do that? They would uh, reach out to me, I guess, probably the best place would be, because um, we brought it up so many times, David Hardy Trainer at Instagram. <laughs> uh-huh. That is, <laughs> that's what I use the most frequently. And they could just DM me through there, and then I would um, get their email from them and send the link. Okay, and I'll make sure to include a link to your Instagram account and everything mm-hmm. so that people can just click on it and not have to search for you. Cool, okay. I want people to go and check that out, because I saw the you were running some ads about it a yeah. while ago and it looked so cool. So I know that if someone were to ask me like, what's the best drill for volleyball players? I, I would have to say like, Oh, it depends. And I wouldn't be able to give an answer, but I'm going to do the same thing to you. I'm going to ask what is the best exercise for volleyball? If there is one that you would recommend. <laughs> uh why would you do this to me? Because <laughs> it's fun. It's yeah, it's fun. fun, isn't it? No, it really, um, I think you hit it on, on the head. It, it really depends. Well, and it's different for each yeah. position too. But as a general, okay, let me give you an example then. Let's say maybe it's like an eighth or ninth grade player mm-hmm. who has a year or two of experience. So maybe they're a little bit in control of their body, but still okay. <laughs> a little bit not in control of their body what is something that you would recommend that they do just to get all around better prepared for volleyball? Maybe, maybe I'd go with, with some form of a squat. There are hundreds of variations of the squat, but um, typically you would say a compound movement, a compound movement or a multi-joint movement would be a motion where 
like instead of doing like a leg extension where you're sitting down and just straightening your knee, mm-hmm. you would do a squat because it's not just working your quadriceps. It's also working your glutes and, and other areas of your body. Depending on how you're squatting, if you were to be using weights, it would even work um, your upper body a little bit more too. That's called a compound movement. Yeah, yeah I'm learning so much. <laughs> I'm actually I've been taking notes. <laughs> okay, so we want to do something just like squats would be good as lunges a general are, exercise. Yeah, lunges are good. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much anything that is going to work multiple muscle groups. And now if you want to, if you want to get better at hitting, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you're super tall and you don't need to jump. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were blessed with just a crazy high vertical without having to train for it. Maybe your goal is that you need to hit harder. Mm-hmm. That all starts in the core. Mm-hmm. And one of the most well-known and, you know, favorite exercises is the plank so that's another mm-hmm. great one you can do. There's a million variations to that. I will say, though, that tall people still need to jump. It's no excuse if you're tall. I'm not buying it. <laughs> you can retire if you jump. So not, sorry, that's just a little coach in me coming mm-hmm. out. But, but yeah, so we can work on our core, do mm-hmm. planks, lunges, squats. That's a good general workout there. I mean, if you can, pull-ups are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That would also be a compound movement. You get a little bit of bicep, tricep action. You get a lot of your back muscles involved. And if mm-hmm. you're doing it right and you're bracing, you get some core work too. Okay. I'm already sensing a couple more articles that I'm going to need from you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll talk about that later, of course. But I know we're going to wrap up here soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there a common mistake that coaches or parents make when it comes to training that actually might be doing damage to their player yes oh no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know uh, one of the things that I see confused a lot is um, effort versus efficiency Mm -hmm. so just because you're doing something and you're sweating and you're working hard, and you're out of breath, and you're tired, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best thing for you to be doing, or that it's the safest thing for you to be doing. Mm -hmm. And just because you are not unable to walk the next day, uh, does not mean that you didn't get a workout, or a a good workout, an efficient Mm -hmm. workout the day before. So soreness doesn't necessarily equal the amount of benefit that you did to your body. Yeah, and same as effort. I mean, I had, um, you know, one of the coaches was having kids run multiple, multiple miles every day. Oh Um, my gosh. Like legit miles. And I'm like, um, you know, what's going on? What's for mental toughness? (laughs) I'm like, okay, but it ain't really, uh, maybe not the best use of time. (laughs) I mean, are they marathon running or are they going to have to run 10 feet across the court? I'm not saying there's definitely, there's definitely a mental component to running, um for longer distances and I mean as volleyball continues to become more and more competitive I'm convinced that conditioning maybe needs to be a bigger part of our training um not a huge part but maybe emphasize more than it was in the past but I don't know I would I if I don't want to run multiple miles I'm not gonna make anyone else (laughs) yeah multiple miles (laughs) and that was just one example um Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that was the that was the explanation that that the coach gave was just mental toughness. But you kind of there are ways that you can you know do that in a way that's also more beneficial to their performance on the court as well. 
and a little more but, sport sport specific actual maybe volleyball yeah. scenarios well, and then the other thing i want to touch on real quick um while we're on that subject is copying everybody has social media now right everybody right. has a youtube or an instagram so you might look at um you know florida state so maybe they have a workout online and you see one of these um you got a senior athlete there right Right. who's gone through four years of high level university play you know she's done x amount of training in her high school years and she's doing a workout so you as a coach might look at that and be like all right i need my kids to do this so they can get on that level (laughs) well that might not necessarily always be the best thing when you consider that she's had time to kind of prepare and work herself into that Mm -hmm. and her body's equipped to handle some of them things Right. So going online and finding some workouts that are quote unquote um, four best workouts for volleyball or four best exercises, and then trying to have your unexperienced kids um, replicate that might be uh, might be welcoming an injury there. So we need to make sure that it's age appropriate, sort of experience appropriate. So I think that's a really good point because there are sometimes where I see like volleyball things, not too often, but sometimes I see some drills or things that are a little bit questionable, not necessarily the drill itself, but maybe it's like setting people up for injury if they're not watching where they're going, because a lot of these drills, they think like the more the merrier. So like toss in three balls, toss in four balls and, mm-hmm. or you're juggling two balls. And in certain situations, I think it's fine, but there are other drills that I think I'm just like, why? Why would anybody do this? This is not safe. So the same goes for training, I guess. So how can people contact you if they want to either, if they're in Northwest Indiana or Chicagoland area, if they want to come in and maybe schedule a consultation or workout with you, or if they just want to follow you on Instagram, I feel like I said it 20 times, but where can people find you? You know, I am on, uh, I don't use it as much, but I am uh-huh. on Facebook as David Hardy Dash Trainer. Instagram is great. Yeah, I would really say say those two places would be it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you go to either one of those, there will then be an, uh, an email that you can find that you can reach me at as well. Mm-hmm. I would rather anybody look to my social media first because then before they, you know, send a message to me, they kind of get to get to see a little bit about what I'm about. Get an idea of yeah. the work that you do and... Okay, well, I will make sure to include links to everything. So your Instagram, Facebook, um, how to contact you for access to that remote training. So David Hardy, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. I really appreciate you not only coming on the podcast, but also writing the articles for Get the Pancake and for sharing that knowledge with so many of the coaches that come to the website. Because as I've said, I've learned so much from it, like literally epiphanies, (laughs) reading your articles, like at least one per article. And I've been coaching for, you know, 11 years now or started coaching 11 years ago. And it's really cool to be learning new things at this point. So I'm excited to share your knowledge with people and hope to continue to do so. So thank you for being on the podcast. That's all we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. David, you are an awesome guest. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If you're interested in checking out the articles that he's written for getthepancake.com, those are all linked in the description. Also, if you want to get in contact with him, again, his Instagram is at David Hardy Trainer. 
That's linked in the description as well as is his Facebook page. Thank you so much for listening to the Get the Pancake podcast, and I hope to have you back next week.